Podcast. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host Iris and I am here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're reviewing a movie from 2020. A new release currently available on Apple TV Plus. On the Rocks. On the Rocks. Definitely an Apple TV film in the same way The Banker was an Apple TV film. Am I right? And what do you mean by that, my dear brother Wesley? (laughs) My dear sweet brother Wesley. It it looked very (laughs) sterile, didn't it? I mean, it was crisp and clean. It was the most New York movie I've ever seen, uh, if we're going with the clean, rich aspect of New York. You know, I've been thinking a little bit about this, and I feel like Sophia has the confident, staid hand of a cinematic aristocrat, of someone who's grown up in the industry, who has a cinematic legend for a father, siblings in the industry, husbands in the industry, and directs with a kind of restraint and confidence that almost makes her kind of boring. (laughs) So it could have gone two ways. She could elevate the material because she has such a staid hand, or she could polish turds. (laughs) You consider movies like Lost in Translation, which was beautiful, but also very hazy and dreamlike and not so stark and kind of cold. Mm. Um, And I would argue that Lost in Translation, when she was much younger, much greener, has a more cinematic, immersive feel, a tone that I, I struggled to pin down for On the Rocks. I was looking for the tone. You get these glimpses of people. It's very, very New York, and it's very much a movie. It felt like a, like I was watching a movie. Yeah, even script-wise, it's structured very traditionally. But I get what you're saying. I think you're talking about cool color tones, clean tripod, you know, dolly composed shots. Like we're not talking like going handheld and there's a certain amount of removal and distance from these characters, but that's not necessarily telltale of Sofia Coppola. I mean, Virgin Suicide's all kinds of warm and blonde and steamy and tragic. You had once talked about how much she loves these kind of soft white girls, the Kirsten Dunst, Scarlett Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. And here, Rashida Jones is not (laughs) that person. And she's just a little bit older, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that she's very stark and not dreamy. She's practical and very direct and doesn't have a sort of aura about her, either visually and stylistically or character-wise. Sophia doesn't pull any punches with Laura. Like, there's no cheeky pink panty butt shots. Wait, you're allowed to make jokes? Okay. (laughs) Um, 
Because that opening shot of Lost in Translation of Scarlett Johansson's butt, you know, it's so in your face that this director has a point of view and a sense of humor. We don't get that from Laura. You're saying that she's not fully fleshed out. Yeah, everybody is 2D except for Bill Murray. And our protagonist, this person that we're supposed to feel for, is two-dimensional. I mean, we've talked about the Bechdel-Wallace test in the past, and like this is a movie about a woman that doesn't pass the Bechdel-Wallace test. Every single conversation she has is about Marlon Wayans, and it's kind of super frustrating. I do agree. Not only does she spend the entire movie focused on Marlon Wayans' character, but every other female character is also just talking about a dude. This is what I'm saying. And come to think of it, Lost in Translation and even Virgin Suicides are very anti-rom-com. Maybe this was an anti-rom-com, which is maybe Sofia Coppola's thing. But yeah, I was shocked by how developed she is as a filmmaker and how poorly she handled. I don't know that it's a feminist role, but just her character development for women in this day and age was shocking. The whole movie, I think, is typified by Jenny Slate's nonstop chatterbox friend in line. She's so one note. Jenny Slate is a talented comedian, never does more than ramble, so much so that I tuned her out, too, along with Laura. Right, and she's supposed to be the insufferable friend, whereas our character is equally insufferable in her angst and her midlife crisis-y thing that she's going through. But it's not shocking that this film comes from Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola makes a lot of movies where nothing happens. Marie Antoinette, The Bling Ring. Like, these are movies where from A to B, nothing really happens. But when you have characters who lack in substance, it makes it really hard to luxuriate there in their experience. Laura is simply an extension of her husband and a function of her children. Unfortunately, and yeah. It's really hard to sympathize for her and what she's going through, not to mention how deplorable their kind of their communication is, the communication between husband and wife. I get it. Communication is hard. And if they were great communicators, we wouldn't have a movie. But come on. I mean, the whole thing was based on a miscommunication, and that seems like a continual theme. Yeah, in their marriage, it's just one that got too far out of hand. Oscar Isaac said about the Coen brothers and Inside Lewin Davis that only the Coen brothers would focus their movie on this like winter breakdown road trip in the middle of nowhere. And this is like one misunderstanding that I guess was supposed to evolve into this buddy style caper like sleuth comedy <laughs> Sophia Coppola said that she was interested in this dynamic of the playboy father and the daughter in a buddy role buddy comedy roles and that's what she was going for it just it's the thinnest of premises when she says to him next time if you want to hang out with me just ask I thought that that was really true and kind of invalidated their whole experience because I wanted to believe that her dad simply wanted to protect her or wanted to help her, you know, ostensibly through this by equipping her with the information that she needed to get ahead of how she was going to feel when the truth came out, whatever it could be. But really, when it came down to it, he just wants to have fun. And that's what he says to her in Mexico. He says, what happened to you? You used to be fun. And that's his only response to her expressing to him that she has real problems with him and what he did when she was young and, 
and she can she's marveling at her ability to have a relationship at all with a father like him. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but well, it, it seems like you're giving some credence to characters that I feel like were pretty slight. I mean, it's generally what criticism does, right? We try to lend themes to things that may not be able to bear the weight of those themes. As a concept, his character was a one-note playboy dad who was kind of aloof and and meant to be funny, but Bill Murray brings so much more to any role that he plays. Um unabashedly great in this movie, I think, and definitely the standout character for what could have been two-dimensional, playing against Rashida Jones. If I were to ascribe some level of depth to this movie and to that character, the best that I can come up with is that his daughter, whom he fiercely loves, wants her to be happy and even go so far as to have that awkward interaction with Marlon Wayans when he's coming home. Obviously, because he feels like his daughter has been slighted. It's not like I can have fun, you know, with with anybody. But it's obvious his displeasure when he encounters Marlon Wayans downstairs. And also a really great example of how a lack of ability to communicate runs in the family. Sure. But the best guess that I can come up with is that Laura is his only lasting relationship with a woman. He doesn't know how to do it all that well. But he wants to. He wants to have a relationship and closeness and he always wants her around and he's involving her in this kind of scheme because he wants to be not the playboy that he is. He follows his nature, but it doesn't last. It doesn't doesn't lend to any any permanence in his relationships with women, except for his daughter, who he's never going to be or would want to be away from. I think that Bill Murray was Bill Murray in this role. Um, especially it shows up when he charms anybody, when he charms the lady, uh, the art lady who's trying to move the painting or the cops. Maybe Sofia Coppola was like, Bill, do the do your charming thing. And he did it because I've <laughs> seen it happen. I've met that dude. And when I met him, he was miserable, head in hands, could not stand being there. I, I reached out my hand and he shook it just to make me go away. And then after the movie, which at the time was Hudson on Thames or whatever, the one where he played Roosevelt, he got up with Laura Linney in front of a crowd and charmed everybody thoroughly. He was effortlessly Bill Murray in a way that he definitely wasn't two hours before. It's because he's so good at what he does when he's on. Wow. I think he's a sad dude, and I think he lives his life on his own terms. But like the best comedians, he's always trying to outrun that that sadness. Man, this got dark. (laughs) But going back to Laura a little bit, she's more stark and in your face and not fun. I would guess not happy as a person, right? She's got the kids. She's got writer's block, which is kind of trite. And uh, she has this vaguely strained relationship with her dad where they can never, they have a hard time finding the level on which they can connect. But she was an older, more close to middle age mom than anyone in the Virgin Suicides or Lost in Translation, uh, reflecting Sofia Coppola's actual position in life. But also she was, look, Rashida Jones is a pretty lady, maybe prone to bad haircuts, But she isn't the dowdy, hapless woman that Laura appeared to be. Do you think that fashion-wise, she was intentionally dressed down, a little bit frumpy, and made a little bit downtrodden for this role? She kind of had her quarantine wardrobe in rotation. But talk about first world problems, yo. What does Rashida Jones have to be sad about? Are you talking about Laura or Rashida Jones? Because actually, no, that's probably close, pretty close to the same thing. They both have ultra-rich dads 
who were probably playboy types and yeah and just kind of grew up on the periphery of excessive wealth you kind of slipped this under the radar but you mentioned her children as being hindrances in her life but she's got two beautiful charming adorable girls and has a career where she sold a book and yeah it's a little stressful to have to deliver something that you've pre-sold but doesn't sound so bad she's got this great doting loving husband i never thought i would think that marlon wayans looks sexy but he was really he was like hella charming in this film and you know this lovely apartment and a decent if not tolerable relationship with her parents like she seems like a woman who has enough in her life to be fulfilled but but i get it we've got her off seasons and and she's concerned that maybe she's not as interesting to her husband as maybe she once was but she is her own worst enemy here like when you start to feel boring you're going to be boring to people. Like when you start to obsess about not being able to do something, then you spend your time doing that instead of actually being productive. The Laura character is interesting because she criticizes her father for not being able to get enough love, right? That's the reason that he left her and her mother for Holly, who I assume was his assistant. And she's like, you just can't get enough. Like, you've got to get it everywhere. You've got to be flirting with every single woman that you meet. When I think, in a way, Laura is the one who can't get enough love. Like, what more does she need to be fulfilled? And of course, people are going to come at me, bro, about thinking, what, she wasn't pretty enough for you or whatever? I'm not saying that. This is definitely a place in which ladies land sometimes. It's the moment of doubt. But her husband is an integral component to her financial stability, her life with her kids. Um, you know, it seems like he's making these deals left and right. And maybe she had one book under her belt and she's working with a nice advance. But also she probably can't actually maybe with Bill Murray as your dad, you could. But she could probably couldn't maintain that lifestyle. And it's, we're talking about love here. We're talking about her feeling uh, inadequate or rejected or less than or having her love threatened by his proposed, suggested, inferred infidelity. So yeah, it, it's definitely a problem. It just was curious to me that Sofia Coppola chose this particular chapter in Laura's life to focus solely on to the exclusion of all other themes. Are you saying that she was like a vulnerable woman? who is feeling like she needs her husband in order to maintain her standard of living? I'm saying that she loves her husband and doesn't want her marriage to fall apart, doesn't want to feel like she might be responsible for him straying. And in that way, she was sympathetic. I didn't find it to be sympathetic at all because, I, I mean, I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy when you start getting jealous and you start questioning all of your partner's motives. I mean, doesn't that become unattractive? Doesn't that start to push them away? I don't know. I've never been on the other side of this fence. Sure. <laughs> it seemed like she could probably solve her problems by either confronting them directly or <sighs> by improving her, by loving herself and improving herself, which has the effect of kind of causing everyone to love you and want to be improved themselves. So was it a cheat? I mean, she say, she went to such lengths to try to prove that he was cheating. It's possible any one of these could have dispelled this illusion that he was being unfaithful. The whole Cece thing, or that was her name, right? Fifi. Fifi not being the correct name maybe in his phone. It's like we go through all this stuff and then 
you wake up and you're like, oh, it was all a dream. Like at any point, she could have asked him, confronted him directly, and he would have laid it out. They would have had a lunch where he could have laid it out and she could have believed him or not instead of the rigmarole of going to Mexico. This movie was drawn out in the way that she could have confronted it directly and head on and ascertained it in the same way that she agrees to go with her dad to Mexico and then spends a bunch of time watching him singing and hanging out without actually confronting him or finding out. It's like we're going to Mexico to, to, to get, this, get t- this taken care of once and for all after we drink on the beach and play guitar and sing and hang out in flowy dresses and stuff. <laughs> well, they can't go and perform their stakeout in, in broad daylight or by sunset. I guess not. They waited just long enough for him to peace out and for the misdirect of the, the ladies being in his room. And for the best scene, when Bill Murray's Felix is at the lowest of his low and pretends to be making out with his daughter when the security golf cart goes by. Look, I'm not saying the movie didn't have charm, that the ladies come out on the balcony or on the porch or whatever and catch him lurking in the bushes to where he has to, like, put on the cool, suave thing and be like, yes, that was me in the bushes. How do you do? Oh, um, is he with you? It's pretty awkward and funny in a way that Bill Murray can make still funny and endearing. Just it it felt like the whole thing was built on a bamboo scaffolding. Actually, bamboo scaffolding apparently is really, really effective. Yeah, this whole like bridges and homes made of bamboo. Because it's tough and pliable. And ecologically sustainable. This movie may be not tough, pliable, and certainly not ecologically sustainable. (laughs) This was like an upscale New York sushi restaurant of a movie. It felt very cold. It felt very... Expensive, um, unsatisfying. Ask and you shall receive, yeah. Inauthentic. Alfa Romeos and stuff and, and, and expensive apartments. And I like Sofia Coppola. Like you, I'm a big fan of The Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation in particular. I think Somewhere or Elsewhere or Therewhere or whatever it was, was kind of the beginning of the end. Oh, she was great in The Godfather 3. <laughs> Dude, don't. Maybe this was... This assured and steady hand doesn't also mean the best contemporary relevant judgment. Yeah, but we're not we're not talking about filmmaking shortcomings here, are we? I'm, I'm focusing on what I love about On the Rocks, and that is Bill Murray specifically. I don't even know his dad character's name. I just know that Bill Murray is what I loved in this movie because I love Bill Murray, not even necessarily in this role, just... Good to see him on screen because he saves every part of this movie that he's in. Do you have anything to say about the father-child relationship? I think it's an interesting dynamic. I've worked on lots of shows where in real life, daughters and sons of wealthy people who got that way on based on their personalities and on their ability to move and shake, those personalities don't tend to lend themselves very well to the doting dad like, it must be really hard, but there's no shortage of these types of relationships in Hollywood. Very powerful men, specifically, and their daughters looking to them as a role model and it being a difficult thing to navigate. Maybe she was caught on because she knows. He keeps asserting. You have to understand, this is what guys are like. This is just the nature of guys because it's the nature of him. And because she grew up a certain way, knowing that she had the aloof, never around, only chasing his pleasures dad. And so in that way, it felt real. And it could have been based on real life. Sofia Coppola said that it was based on a story that a friend told her. But she definitely understands what it's like to have an immensely rich and powerful father and how difficult that can be when she just wants to play tea party 
with him or whatever while growing up. But these roles, these father characters have to inform us of Sofia Coppola's life, right? And it worries me to no end. The idea that winemaker and celebrated filmmaker Francis Ford Coppola would ever, in a New York upscale restaurant, ever order a ribeye well done with spinach. Like, I felt like the food in this movie definitely had to inform the characters and who in their right mind. Like, that's Donald Trump level stuff. And was he serious? Like, what did that say about the dad character? Is it because a ribeye, I confess I'm not up on my meat. A ribeye is an exceptionally large cut of meat, right? It's a large cut of meat, but it's also very flavorful, very expensive. Okay. And it should not be prepared well done? Oh, goodness. No, no. The worst meat should not be, be, I mean, and you would think one who has his pulse at his age and is all like 21 and, and blah, 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 would know better just for the social ramifications alone. So if there is deeper meaning to be extracted here, what is it? Only Donald Trump could ascend to his position with wild riches and have it still be acceptable that he would order a steak well done. Oh, okay. So basically rich and powerful, but still classless. I'm trying to figure out what it says about him as a person. Is he classless? I think he has his pulse on people, can read them and respond to them in a way that will get him very far, that has gotten him very far. And that was such an out of left field moment, a decision to have his ribeye well done. I thought, what is she trying to say about his character? I couldn't really figure it out. (laughs) Maybe there's more to be revealed. I mean, there were all kinds of moments with the food, in particular, the weirdness of her where (laughs) with the the really awkward birthday cake in the restaurant scene. Which one? There were two. Well, she's looking for validation. Sorry. Like, I don't want this to be as a man. It's difficult to suggest what her motivations were, but it seemed like she's like, no, 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 no cake, no cake. But she kind of inwardly smiles when he did think to let them know and to celebrate her birthday and to pay attention to her, right? Right. And then the cake doesn't come, but she still maintains she doesn't want the stupid cake. And in there is a level of frustration that taps into a dude. Like, do you want a cake or not? Do you just... uh, Men don't understand women. But why would you say you don't want the cake? We want cake. But I, but I thought you don't, you know, you don't like the whole singing thing. And like, do you want a cake? Because I'll get you a cake. And we I want was like, the option of rejecting the cake. I, w- I feel so bad for Marlon Wayans right now. <laughs> Tries so hard, so attentive, doesn't, can't figure out whether his wife wants a cake or not. I like how you glom on to, you're not, you're on the other side of the fence, except when it comes to food and being sympathetic, a sympathetic <laughs> male. Look, so you talked about Marlon Wayans being a sympathetic character, that he was charming. And fun. And I agree. It's strange in this role because I think of him in Requiem for a Dream where he's anything but. And he's still funny and charming, I guess. But he's also like White Chicks and and, In Living Color and Sean Wayans. And you're like, this dude is like the romantic lead, I guess, if that can be if you if you there is one in this movie. Hopefully it's not Bill Murray. But you said that he was charming. And this is operating on the premise that he's not cheating. And when this movie was over. I looked at Kelly and I was like, man, you thought Constantine was predictable because that's what she said. But how about this? And she's like, you thought this was predictable? And I showed her my notes on which I had written very early on. There is no way. I'm calling it now. There is no way he's cheating. You don't think he was cheating? And no, 
we were supposed to think, but everything checked out. The uh, stupid no. jury still out. The box with the watch. Yeah. No, I don't know, man. I think it was pretty clearly established that she was wrong. Where did he go with Fiona? They went why to some they, other club. Why did or they split her off? Just the two of them. They didn't splinter off. They followed each other in different cabs, I think. There's all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, maybe the jury's still out. They, they, he stayed at this weird boutique hotel or whatever, but everything else checked out. The stupid watch. Oh, it took me too long. I didn't know how long it was going to take to engrave him. Every question she had, Fifi's not in the phone. You can be a thoughtful cheat. Maybe. But can you also be a thoughtful cheat and be Marlon Wayans and still be charming in this movie? <laughs> because I felt like he was completely redeemed. And that unredeemed the Laura character who who suspected him nonstop. I, I can forgive Bill Murray's character for being on her side and just wanting to make sure that my daughter's not taken advantage of anymore. But when it came down to it, it seemed like we completely cleared him of all allegations and that she was like, I was wrong. How could I be so wrong? And he's like, yeah, you dummy. How could you be so wrong? Here's a watch. And the movie's over. I mean, I feel like there was a real missed opportunity with this Laura character, and I really wanted Sofia Coppola to succeed. And maybe part of my ire that I'm directing at this film is the result of disappointment. Like, I wanted, I want Sofia Coppola to succeed. I just, I just wanted to like all the wow. rocks. You're saying, like, this is the death now. Like, this was the turning point against Sofia Coppola. I just can't take much more beating because Bling Ring was just... <laughs> The bling ring was like, I can't, I don't even know if I can show up for the next Sofia Coppola film. I got it. I just didn't like what I got. Admittedly, Laura's life might have been a little close to home. Like with the kids and stuff and the tyranny of the household and the exceedingly loving, doting husband who is sometimes maybe a tad bit absent. Um, you know, this didn't feel like a, a an escapist film for me. This didn't feel like a fun Friday night film. And it certainly did cause me to... Now I'm getting all deep. We went, we went dark and now I'm getting deep. Uh, and it certainly caused me to pause and think about, you know, my own aspirations, my my relationship with my husband, maybe even my relationship with my dad. But I feel like this mo the movie that I got, like this is going to sound like I like the movie, but it is actually the opposite. I think everything about the movie that I found interesting was what I projected onto it. And, ma yeah. and maybe, maybe that was the filmmaker's intention, but it was so kind of basic and the characters, I don't know, just not helpful to themselves. It was frustrating. I was trying to think of the simile or metaphor to go along with it. I'm positive no one has ever come up with this before. It's not an established one, but it, it is what you assign, the weight you assign to it. It's like you have a chair and it's a typical chair. And then you put a blank, bunch of blankets over it and it looks like an elephant and then you call it an elephant. <laughs> I think it's just a chair and you really wanted it to be an elephant. What I came up with is, you know, this uh, trend, it's kind of a meme format, but it's I fed every James Bond movie into a computer and it's and had it spit out and write its own James Bond screenplay on based on the amalgamation. Have you heard of this concept? No, but I've heard about the monkey who can type Shakespeare. Right. And the organ grinder monkey. <laughs> So there's this idea that there's some computer program, and I think it's a joke. I'm not really sure. But if you, I gave it every Terminator movie, and it spit out a Terminator, and the dialogue is hilariously so so on the nose. But uh, I felt like Tim Cook or maybe even Zuckerberg unleashed Apple TV. They're like Apple TV must find 
original content. The banker fits racial tropes and racial stereotypes, inverts it, and must find romantic comedy. The Sofia Coppola movie <laughs> include Bill Murray. So, in fact, these were made. This movie was made by a Sofia Coppola bot. Yeah, misdirection. Must add talking neighbor. And just all the numbers were hit to execute a really well fleshed out movie. Yeah. In the wrong direction. Yeah, I was. I I definitely had a paint by numbers vision of this film in my head. It's got all the right colors, but must insert twist. Yes, and something about it doesn't feel fresh. Something about it, maybe, to use your analogy, doesn't feel totally real. Um, Sterile. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, Sofia Coppola, do your thing, right? If this is a reflection, if this is part of her process, right, and she's working something out in her life, great. It's not hidden, right, that Scarlett Johansson's character in Lost in Translation and Laura, the character in On the Rocks, you know, are women who maybe just can't get enough of what they what they need from life but i feel like in order for it to be an impactful movie you just you need more than a concept this movie um was boring in its execution despite maybe how much it brings up for me emotionally we've seen movies with her yearning longing central female figure be better executed than it was here and so for whatever the reason this movie just hit a stale note for me as well definitely an a whatever rating hmm, but not a nope not a nope because i didn't hate it we got through you know i'm glad there are sofia coppola movies in the world this is another one it's not one of my favorites <laughs> there you got it a whatever which i think is a little generous from wes and a boring from iris that's our review on on the rocks the latest film by director sofia coppola writer director sofia coppola and currently streaming on apple tv plus let us know what you think. Call us at 818-835-0473. Email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. That's Iris and Wesley at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Electric Acid.